0: And I just woke up and I'm really starting to feel this impetus to start talking to myself again, like things are building up. Being home, I'm really glad to be home, I feel good, but at the same time it seems like there's a lot of I don't know how to say this, and I don't want to give out any personal details, so I'll just say that it seems like people aren't doing as well as they could be, whether physically or mentally, or, yeah, it just feels like people are over-medicated, or just not As healthy as they could be, not through any fault of their own, but it just makes me kind of sad and makes me feel extra responsibility towards getting really healthy again because I find whenever I'm doing really healthy things, really healthy ways of eating and being, people just naturally ask me questions and then I can share. And instead of me being like, I've observed you're not very healthy, which I wouldn't do that, but it affects me to see people being unhealthy. And some people I know seem less healthy in whatever way. I don't want to name details or specifics than just five months ago. So I left five months ago and then I come back and. I'm just like, whoa. So I just feel like I do need to get really healthy because then people will just naturally ask me questions and I don't know. And I'm feeling like it'd be cool to share the Hardy Nutritionals product with people, not even just in mental health, but anyone because other people I know are talking about how they can't remember things as well and they ask the same question over and over and so yeah and then I met someone the other day who just randomly came up and talked to me and was telling me that they need to see their psychiatrist for a med change because the meds they've been on for a really long time are no longer working and it felt like the universe speaking to me. Like somebody just coming up and sharing their story of suffering. And, and I felt helpless to do anything because I have no place to say what I'm doing at this point. So there's so much to talk about. There's so much I'm feeling and feeling into. And I was thinking of just starting a social enterprise just for this conversation with myself just to give people a voice and maybe other people would be a part of it somehow but I just feel like by creating something basically I don't want to get in any legal trouble for what I'm saying and I'm just speaking from my experience and I'm not telling anyone what to do or what to think I'm just sharing my own process of thinking and Discovering for myself and what that leads to for me. But at the same time, I don't really know anything about business and I just want to release all of this for free. But at the same time, I don't want to harm anybody, or some people might feel like it's harm, but there are other people out there saying really, really powerful things. I came across an article by Dr. Kelly Brogan. And I've decided that she's one of my heroes for sure, because she's a psychiatrist who no longer prescribes meds and speaks very openly against them in powerful ways. And she's a woman and she's just really intelligent and doing really good things for people. So I'll share some of that article later, but the way she was speaking really inspired me to just keep talking to myself and share that at some point when I know the best way to do that. And the article was really sad because she shared that a man named Michael Stone died and I'd heard of him before. I might even be on his mailing list or just have seen some of his stuff through Sounds True or, or something I can't remember, but I didn't know that he had a label of bipolar. And I say had because he's no longer living, and, and reading that just really affected me because I didn't follow his work or anything. There's only so much a person can follow. And I might have had I known he had this label like I do, but I only happened upon the article because I'm on because Kelly Brogan's on my Instagram and so I saw she wrote an article so I read it and then it linked to the story of Michael Stone and I'll talk more about it later but it was just really sad and affected me because he was a teacher and he had a community of people that he helped and he was well known in a way and I don't know how well known or what but it seems like he was doing a lot of good for a lot of people and tragic end, he ended up dying and the statement on his website said that it was likely from something like a fentanyl overdose and I can just feel the enormity of that, how here's somebody who is helping so many people, maybe appearing to most people that are at arm's length to be doing really well and thriving and then all of a sudden one day just gone. And it didn't say anything about if that was the first time or that's not the point. The point is he was really struggling and he had been struggling and managing naturally and then he turned to the psychopharmaceutical option, this is what it said in Kelly Brogan's article and then needed some form of self-directed medication, which was some kind of street drug. And that was the end. And I just feel like, even though I didn't know him, if someone like him can have a tragic end like that, then it's possible for any of us with this label because sometimes I might feel like by talking to myself enough or by taking enough hearty nutritionals or by being healthy enough or having healthy enough relationships or being altruistic enough and helping enough people that I might be immune to this kind of tragic end. And... This sounds selfish, what I'm saying, because I'm relating his death to the possibility of my own. But in a way, it's a bit of a gift in that if it's meant to be that I will have some kind of tragic end, then it's meant to be. Because if he couldn't avoid it, then none of us can if it's meant to be. So... I can only continue to do what I can do while I'm still here because I was really struggling with this possibility of death from sharing what I have to share but just reading what Kelly Brogan wrote and the power from which she speaks and reading about how this man, Michael Stone did so much, all he could do to help others but still really struggled with whatever it was exactly. I don't even even want to pretend I know because I've had my struggles with this label of bipolar and what it implies, and I don't want to assume that someone else is is the same or similar. There is something, however, though, and I don't talk about this too, too much, I don't think, but the real I don't want to say the real but there's something to thought to the fact that thoughts kill us and it's not my thoughts kill me it's there's this thought sphere of all these memes and they're tied into our physiology and they're going through our nervous system and causing emotions and and then we need something to relieve those emotions so we, we react and we try to do something to to get rid of it and I feel like maybe sometimes I have a bit of an easier time because I did work quite a bit before I was ever labeled to have a clear and quiet mind and it's not always that way but i don't have any commentary going on in my mind and my brain on a regular basis at least and i'm wondering if that meditation headband will help me show that in some way like if thoughts are correlated with beta and then I do that meditation band even when I'm alert and there's no beta waves or very little then it might be able to show that to some extent or to show what brain waves can be possible during a waking and alert state yet not have this hypervigilance of thought going on all the time So when I do have a torrent of thoughts in something like a so-called psychosis it's very intense but that's not there all the time so I don't have to spend every day reacting to it or trying to pacify it. It's only when it is there every, it seems like, six to eight months. So sometimes I wonder about if the self-dialogue can help to organize thoughts or what because I don't even know if most people realize that they can literally have no inner critic not change the inner critic to somebody saying oh you're so wonderful, you're so great positive affirmation stuff there is no me there, there is no self there it's an epiphenomenon of all these circulating thoughts so maybe at some point I'll go into that more and maybe I have along the way, I just don't remember and what really helped me was reading the power of now and and practicing the power of now and then after I did that I started reading Krishnamurti and that unfolded my brain into silence even more. And, yeah, my brain is mostly silent, but at the same time, thoughts and thought is thought. It's not my thought or your thought. It's not separate and localized in one's head, in my head versus your head. It's all pervasive. It's everywhere. It's like radio waves, and then the radio tuner picks up on it. So sometimes my brain can tune into a vortex of thought forms and thought memes. And then it's a real struggle for sure. But they're not my thoughts. It's not a personal thing. It feels like I've tuned into a big chunk of thought Trauma, suffering information and it's brought to my awareness it's in awareness but it's not mine and then I sort of have to go through it and process it and since it's not mine and if I'm processing it it's sort of like processing it for the whole and I don't know if this is really true exactly but it's some way that I want to think about it or consider it In a way, thoughts are a perspective. They're a way of looking. And when they're running through our brains, we're looking through that thought. And we're not actually seeing what's right there, for real, for sure. So when I'm creating new memes and sort of new thoughts for myself, I'm creating how I'm looking in that moment. So if I talk about a certain way of thinking about a certain aspect of mental health, and I've never considered that before as something new. Well, I'm looking from a new perspective, but doesn't mean I believe that perspective, or I cling on to that perspective, or I hold that perspective, for more than even the time that I say it. Because it becomes irrelevant. And even writing things down and saying it later, it is irrelevant. It was relevant in that moment. So when I share things from my notebooks that was relevant say two months ago because I'm really behind right now it's not really relevant now but I'm just sharing it for the sake of sharing with myself the thoughts that I come up with the new memes I would say they're more like insights there's a difference between insights and thoughts and thoughts are part of the collective they're old insights are something new that a brain has seen for itself and understood for itself and wondered it about for itself. And not understood in terms of ultimate understanding, it's just a momentary, subjective, limited to that particular context and point in time perspective and insight. So it's not sharing anything as an ultimate truth. It's more like this was the truth for me at this day when I was walking here and I noticed this and then blah, blah, blah. It's how my brain seems to work and extrapolate things and because it's doing that it's not doing the circular me this and me that thing most of the time that seems to come in when my consciousness wanders down to the lower levels on the scale of consciousness like shame and fear and and whatever else those things are i can't remember right now So I speak more as the level of consciousness that I'm experiencing at the moment, not as this consistent me. And if I was to cling on to anything that I said, the clinging creates the me because there needs to be some kind of self-reference, some kind of entity to believe something. But if one doesn't believe anything, even anything one has an insight about, then there's no me there really so even saying believe positive things is limited it's likely that there's always going to be some subtle beliefs operating or one could say things are facts like you don't have to believe in gravity but it's there but one could almost say well I believe in gravity or something where is the line between true scientific fact and some kind of belief and I'm not sure, but I'm feeling like it's a scientific fact that there is no me there and if there's no me there, there can still be an understanding of scientific facts like gravity, but then one isn't going to create a me structure out of insights even thoughts create the me structure because there's a me thinking the thought but it's just thought there's no thinker the thinker is the me and Krishnamurti says the thinker is the thought and it's difficult to wrap one's brain around that because we're so conditioned to feel like there is an entity there because the structure of our language is subject verb object this video is already 20 minutes and I'm in a new Wi-Fi zone so I shouldn't go too long per video because in case it goes in the cloud and all that jazz that I was talking about before. I was feeling like I might take it easy with the videos when I come back but I just feel inspired to keep going, summer or not, because summer will wear off here in a month or two and then I'll be sad but then I'll probably just make more videos until I can figure out the best way to release them. I want to share, but I don't want to be dumb about it at the same time. I don't want to just think, oh, I'm going to share this, and everyone's going to think that they can build their own understanding too, and not believe what I say, and take it on, and not attack what I say, because I don't even remember what I say. I just am illustrating that, saying is okay it's okay to say and to wonder for oneself and not have to refer to the bank of knowledge that we've been given so that would be lovely but at the same time it's probably not realistic so I have to be somewhat smart about it yesterday I did a lot I did my tax return and I could have done it in California because I did have all the documents but I thought I didn't and so I did that and then I tried to fix my car door I can't get out the driver's door because the lock is jammed and my car is so old that I'm hoping it won't cost a lot of money to fix that I sprayed a lot of WD-40 in it, I pried off part of the panel, and now it looks like a mess, and it stinks of WD-40. So hopefully someone I know can look at it on Sunday and try and fix it. If not, I'll probably have to take it in somewhere, and hopefully it won't cost too much money. Because it could cost more than the car is worth, but at the same time, I don't really want to get a new car right now. So I was doing that and just a bunch of other things. I donated $10 to two different things that I support. It's not a lot of money but it's just a gesture of yes I support that because I have gotten the mail for them reaching out when I was away so $10 is probably more trouble than it's worth to process for them. but. I did it anyways and I also set up my sponsor child again because my credit card had expired and I don't pay the full amount for my sponsor child but it's nice to at least contribute something and maybe one day be able to contribute a little more so it was nice to get those altruistic things going and this is my sponsor child I'm not gonna show her face because I don't think that is cool to just show her face on video that I might share but it's nice and and I also set up an appointment to donate blood on September the 12th which is a day after my one year anniversary of doing these videos a lot So the first anniversary was June 20th, that's when I started doing them, but I didn't start really doing them a lot until September the 11th, so I'm going to donate blood on the 12th unless something happens that I can't. I don't know if I'm not supposed to because I'm on the Hardy Nutritionals and maybe it could make my body detox more or something, but... I've been meaning to donate blood for a while, and I was away, so I want to do that. And also, Dr. Mercola says it's good to donate blood to get rid of some of the excess iron in the body. And women don't have as much trouble with excess iron, but the Hardy Nutritionals I'm taking does have some iron in it. And apparently it's actually not good to have too much iron. It's not good to have too little, but too much actually speeds up the aging process. And I think he also said in his book, Fat for Fuel, that it turns on the potential of some cancer stuff. And in August of last year, I actually had a lump in my breast and I went to get it checked and then I refused a mammogram. And I even said this on video, but I remember I deleted it because I was a little bit scared to share that. I didn't want it to be like a self-fulfilling prophecy or a nocebo effect by talking about it, but the last couple weeks, these have been very sore and bumpy and lumpy and I feel almost like there's bumps in there that weren't before, like maybe something's getting worse in there, so I'm going to go see my doctor and maybe ask about that but I'm wondering if I should get on this ketogenic diet that Dr. Mercola talks about because apparently it's really good for cancer. And after going through a five-year chronic fatigue thing and then being better for two years and then six years on medications and in mental health and just being out of that, I don't really want to have to do the whole cancer thing so I don't know if that's true I'm only talking about it because I did have that mini scare last year and then they wanted to do a mammogram just in case and I said no because those can actually add to cancer apparently it can increase your chance of breast cancer one percent each time So if I start at 35 and then get yearly ones or something, then my chances go up significantly. So I'm thinking that these changes that are happening there, if it is something, maybe just changing my diet will make those bumps and that pain go away. It could just be prolonged PMS, but we'll see. I'm supposed to get my period in the next few days so if this pain goes away after that then I'm probably fine but I might do the ketogenic thing but then Hardy Nutritional said be careful of changing your, your diet in a big way because it can cause a detox reaction from the meds even more so I have to be a little bit careful I'm just reading a little bit of the official statement of Michael Stone's passing and it's a really sad story and I read over his about me page on his website and he doesn't say anything about having a diagnosis himself and it says in his official statement on his passing that he was close to sharing his diagnosis and his struggles but it seems like he hid his struggles and It also says, he seemed unshakable and capable of holding everyone else's suffering, and he did, but he struggled with his own, and that he lived with bipolar disorder his whole life, and it's just really tragic. And I feel like I don't want to kid myself about being able to hold other people's suffering, It's actually difficult for me even just witnessing these last few days of my life and seeing people obviously suffering. A lot of it seemed like physical manifestations of side effects of medications. So I really don't feel like I can hold anyone suffering. feel like I suffer too I suffer if I see someone suffering and reading their body and their energy I can sense that they're suffering then I'm suffering it's not a separate thing so of course I will see that every day in my life but I don't know if I can purposefully go out there and feel like I can help people with their suffering And in the statement, it says in 2015, Michael shared, you'd think that given all this inner work, an incredible network of support, strong friendships, a loving partner and kids, and lastly, a life dedicated to embodying the Dharma, literally every single day includes practice and study, that I'd be immune to extreme mental states. It can be hard to admit even to ourselves that there are times when the stability of awareness that we discover in meditation just isn't there. When this started happening, I'd say my practice needs to get deeper. But the truth is, there was a chemical change in my brain. As versed as Michael was with the silence around mental health issues in our culture, he feared the stigma of his diagnosis. He was on the cusp of revealing publicly how shaped he was by bipolar disorder and how he was doing and it said he had more extreme mania starting in the spring of this year and the psychiatrist upped his medication so it's not like he was on medication and it prevented his death it seems like he was on medication and his death actually could have been somewhat of a side effect of the medication or the increased medication who knows it's hard to say or that he sought a more powerful drug such as something with fentanyl in it and I don't really know much about fentanyl but apparently a lot of things are laced with fentanyl so one might not be intending to do fentanyl but it's in whatever one takes and that is not good And some of his organs were donated and the statement was put together by his partner and it says it could be easy to shake one's head and think what a shame culturally we don't have enough language to talk about this rather than feel the shame and tragedy of it can we find questions what was he feeling how was he coping what am i uncomfortable hearing what can we do for ourselves and others who have impulses or behaviors we cannot understand impulses that scare us and silence us how can we take care of each other and the question asked what was he feeling well he was likely feeling a lot more suffering than just his own personal suffering and I've talked a lot about with myself how sensitive people feel a lot more and oftentimes we don't know where it's coming from or why If we were just feeling the so-called normal daily dose of suffering that we all have, then he likely wouldn't have felt impelled to take a street drug for relief. He was searching for relief. He wasn't searching to get high and have a good time. And unfortunately, he got the ultimate relief. And I feel like I can sense how terrified he was and struggling and sometimes I go into those states too and usually I end up in the hospital and then they medicate me and it's difficult to go through. And I've talked a lot about keeping the body safe. So if I'm in an altered state of consciousness where I'm terrified, I don't want to be out and about walking around in reality because I will stumble on something that will harm me so that's why I have a zap strap I would just zap strap myself somewhere and prevent me from doing something that is going to harm my body and just allow the psychological stuff to happen and it's so painful it is indescribably painful and I guess that's one of the things about going to the psych ward is that it can keep people safe in that one isn't wandering around out in society where one might do something harmful to the body to relieve the pain even something like stepping out in front of a car or something to end one's life to stop the suffering and maybe he took on other people's suffering and he wanted to be altruistic but at the same time if one is sensitive, one's going to take on other suffering even more and then it's going to make it more difficult to live so for me, I have to keep my stress really low so it's important to design one's life in alignment with one's sensitivities if I was to go back to working in peer support I don't know if Hardy Nutritionals would be enough to numb me out to all the suffering that I would be seeing. And maybe, since he was so successful at helping others, maybe he... And I don't know what I'm saying this. I'm not trying to say anything here that's right or wrong or true. I'm actually responding to the questions on the statement regarding his death, saying rather than feel the shame and tragedy of it can we find questions what was he feeling how was he coping so i'm answering their questions from my own perspective at this moment and hopefully others will do the same and it seemed like he was coping by being super altruistic and helping so many people but at the same time he was struggling a lot and that's the thing if one has that energy of so-called mania one can get a lot done and seem really great and then when that crashes it's really difficult to get through the crash so it's it's something difficult to think about for me because I talk about things like I want to embody my mania so doing things in daily life that will help build the neurology So when that manic energy comes in, one might not even notice, yet this man was doing a lot of practices and things to cope with what those energies were doing, but it didn't seem to really necessarily do that which I've been talking about, so... I've been talking about a lot of things all along and this man the tragedy of his death sort of challenges a lot of what I've been saying to myself I can think to myself all I want that by moving in epigesthetic ways I'll be able to embody something that can move with this energy as it comes in but this man seems to be quite a wonderful example of being altruistic and doing good things for the body and being healthy yet this energy came in and took his life from the world and sometimes I also feel like this tragic end for someone with a bipolar label in this world isn't necessarily the end of their world and I don't know if that's true but I've talked about those possibilities like his energy just couldn't coexist with this world anymore doesn't mean that it was the end for sure but I feel that a transition into the light body world looks like a tragic end in the material world the material world that we share with the people that we love yet sometimes it seems like we can't stay here with them indefinitely and I've talked about this from my experience how when I went through that first energetic process, that first state of MAP consciousness and transconsciousness, when I was taken to the psych ward and I realized that I was going to live as a mental patient, I felt like that was an okay exchange because that meant that I could stay with all my loved ones. Because I had a sense that there might be a tragic end for me and I would go on in some other dimension but I wouldn't be with all the people that I love and I wanted to be here so sometimes I really feel like this is bonus time and I don't even know how much time I have left I'd like to assume that I have a lot by doing some of the things that I've talked about with myself including talking to myself and embodying my mania and being altruistic and setting up some kind of peer-run social enterprise and all these things I want to do but maybe I won't even get a chance to do them and this man he did get a chance to do a lot of things he set up ways he could teach and help people and coach people and his website is quite amazing and it seems like he had a lot of people around him that he was helping and teaching and that's amazing and sometimes I feel like I might want to create something to help people but I don't know if I can I don't know if anyone can help anyone here's this man Michael Stone that was helping other people so many people and he didn't have help for himself and I'm not talking about help as in psychiatric help or whatever and and he was accepting that kind of help and it didn't save his life and that's part of what I talk about with myself is this Psych med type help doesn't save people's lives, necessarily. And I just read that article that I saw on Twitter the other day, and it made me kind of angry. Maybe it was two weeks ago that they're like, accepting help is never worse than any of the worst side effects. Well, one of the side effects of meds is suicide, and. It's likely that was a contributing factor in this man's death. He was on meds, and he still left this world by an action to try to feel better. So the meds weren't working, and who knows if this wasn't an iatrogenic death. And I found out about this tragedy through Dr. Kelly Brogan's website, and she's the person that I learned the term iatrogenic illness from which is doctor induced illness or worsening of what one started with so if one started with some symptoms of some kind and then is put on meds and then is dead well that was iatrogenic it made it worse not better or ends up worse off then if it makes it better oh well the meds worked I don't I really don't know but that article really made me mad that other one about oh just get help he eventually did get help from that kind of system and it ultimately didn't help he lived his whole life maybe without that or who knows I don't know the story I don't know his life but however long he was on these other treatments through psychiatry well whether it was 10 years or two years or one month, now he's not alive anymore. And this is a powerful lesson for many. And I don't know how they can spin this in, oh, he didn't get help, he was getting help, and he's still not alive. So do they ever write an article about how when you do get the psychiatric help, you can still end up dead? And show all the examples of that? I doubt it. Yet, if one is on the treatment, of psychiatry and then dies then it's just a tragic death of someone with a really severe mental illness and it's never how the medications might have contributed to that yet if somebody's off the meds it's like well they went off their meds and that's why they killed themselves or ended up dead i don't think he was intending to kill himself but unfortunately that's what happened Plus, if he didn't do this all the time and then took one dose of some powerful street drug that is more likely to harm someone or maybe even being on psych meds and then taking a street drug at the same time can be worse than just taking it when one's not taking any psych meds there's so many factors here and so many questions and it's just really tragic to see how someone can have so much good going on apparently and yet be struggling so much and it's partly it seems to me that he was taking so much on of other people he was trying to help people so much and when you reach out to people in that way and you're sensitive and empathic you literally take on their suffering you will just look at the person you look into their eyes and all the information is transmitted to your being so if you're around more people and looking into their eyes you're going to feel it I feel it just from being home and, and seeing different people and just having a sense people aren't thriving yet at the same time here's this person that is apparently thriving on the outside but isn't thriving so what can one even know? what can one even do? But if he had thoughts and impulses that were out of control, well, for me, self-dialogue is a way to speak to myself in a way on the outside that is within my power to do. So I feel like if I don't do that, and not just if I don't do that, but by doing this type of conversation and dialogue... It helps me to process some of these things that I see and some of the suffering that I see. In seeing all this suffering in the last few days, I just feel like, wow, I need to talk to myself. Because I'm feeling it. And yet, if he is trying to help and trying to help and trying to help and taking all that on, it's going to create more inner struggling I feel like if I was to go out there and feel like I can help people and talk with them and take it all on and I'm sensitive I'm literally going to take it all on and it's going to crush me I feel like I can't even go back to peer support for five minutes let alone be a teacher in the way he was and, and actually feel like I can help people I feel like I can't help anybody I feel like I can pretty much just talk to myself the other thing is I could go out there and feel like I can help people but then when I reach out and I've talked about this to myself I feel like I can't so if I had that so called manic energy come over me and then I start using that to try to help people that might actually be part of what causes the crash in my first time in map consciousness with all that energy i'm trying to help this person trying to help that person just bouncing around synchronistically and randomly trying to help trying to help trying to help and then maybe that's part of like a helper's high like so-called mania induces a helper's high and it's a real high the body is actually making its own internal molecules getting high on helping But since it's getting high on helping, it's not sustainable and one crashes and goes through depression or so-called psychosis or something. And So I'm wondering, I don't know, but I'm wondering if helping is the wrong orientation altogether. I don't know if anyone has really helped me by trying to help me. People that have helped me more have just really been there. So I wonder if I can just be there and then that will lead to some suffering for me because of what I'll see and perceive with this sensitivity and then being able to talk to myself about it. not go out and think I can actually help and that's why I sort of want to start this social enterprise just with this conversation I really feel like I can't help anybody and I got another hint of that because there was this child and I was trying to say oh put some coconut oil on your eyes it'll make them not itch and I said it a couple times and then eventually the child said about me that I was trying to force them into putting coconut oil on and I was like wow that's a powerful lesson here I am thinking well I'm an adult I know something about coconut oil it's going to help but the child didn't want it and when I heard what they said, I was like, wow, that's a powerful lesson. Not to push anything, even as simple as coconut oil on ice on someone. People would really need to ask. So this is getting long, but and I don't know what I'm talking about I don't really like making stuff up about people or making guesses but this official statement of Michael Stone's passing sort of invited one to do so and it talks about impulses what can we do for ourselves and others who have impulses or behaviors we cannot understand well it was an impulse to relieve suffering and aren't we all doing that in small ways whether it's reaching for a cookie or, or yelling at somebody or whatever, we're all doing it and then some people have it to more of an extent especially when they're more sensitive and then to relieve suffering one might actually just accidentally or on, on purpose put an end to it all the final gesture So this is my new makeshift studio. The room I'm staying in and I'm standing up and my phone is mounted on the windowsill. My computer is on the windowsill also. I don't know if I will stay like this. Hopefully I can do some videos outside. But for now, I'm going to keep talking. And 2 days ago it was actually Eight weeks off all of the psych meds, and I forgot to mention it even though I had it marked in my calendar. I think I was a little bit too troubled by all that stuff I was reading on Kelly Brogan's website, and I didn't even finish reading that. But I will celebrate the eight weeks off meds, and tomorrow is actually two months off meds because eight weeks isn't exactly two months. So, celebrating two months off meds a little bit early and Eight weeks off meds a little bit late and another thing I want to do is a little bit of show-and-tell I got my emerging proud coming out of the spiritual closet movie launch book and oh nice I just noticed it's signed so this could be a sign it comes with this Somewhere inside all of us is the power to change the world. And it comes with a little note about setting up screenings of the film for 50 pounds. And yeah, I should probably do a screening of the film as part of the Peer Potential Project. And I'm wondering if I'll call it the Peer Potential Project or... Project Peer Potential Exploring the Wisdom of Falling Apart Rethinking Madness from Stigma to Transformation And then Does that look like me? How about now? Yes, it's me And then I forgot that I also contributed this photo art that I put together for some kind of diversity art project that was displayed at a public library. And the display went on shortly after I got out of the psych ward in April 2016. And I managed to take my photo art down there, got it printed at Costco, took it all the way down there. I think I was still staying in the temporary step-down facility outside the hospital and I took it down there and they framed it and put it up but this is it and I put in the little quote that I made our brains are resilient neuroplastic and quantum with infinite capacity to learn unfold and create we've seen and touched possibilities yet to be made manifest so hold these visions in your heart so that the minds of the many might be touched and see the possible world too. So that's kind of neato. I think anyone can buy that book, or maybe it's a limited edition thing, but anyone can rent the Emerging Proud film on Vimeo. And it was definitely worth the watch, and perhaps I will host a screening of some kind. So I've been waking up feeling a little bit bleh. I think I just feel disoriented like not organized not knowing what I'm doing though it's all on my computer so I am very organized and just seeing that little pamphlet just now that I didn't notice before when I opened the book reminded me that I do want to host a screening of Emerging Proud and Healing Voices and perhaps even the other one which is Crazy wise. And this morning I jumped on my mini trampoline. I had some muesli for breakfast and I'm going to try and jump on my trampoline each time I remember just for a couple of minutes because I remember watching in the video I got with the trampoline that doing that is the best if someone has some kind of chronic ailment and I am a little bit concerned about my boobs right now they are in a lot of pain and I think that pain will go away but they still feel kind of bumpy so I'm going to do some jumps for my bumps and they actually said in the video or if you look up rebounding that it's good to do just to keep the circulation going and rebounding actually activates the immune system and the immune system is what can get rid of cancer cells if there are cancer cells so I'm sort of thinking that I might be kind of Pre-cancer or pre-pre-cancer, but that's the last thing I want to have to go through right now after this mental illness thing. So I'm gonna be doing some jumps for my bumps. I just made that up. My jumps for my lumps and my humps. I don't know. And moving towards a ketogenic diet, but not super quickly because Hardy Nutritional says don't do anything drastic in terms of diet or anything. Even being out in the heat is a little drastic, but I definitely sit in the sun and get some sun and I will be, so I'll be continuing to take the vitamin C. So there's just so many intricacies right now and all my stuff is in a mess, but I'm not going to focus on my stuff, I'm going to focus on my body, talking to myself, learning about social enterprise, and those are the three main things, and also getting out in nature. So. I'm going to create a little sticky note on my Mac when you swipe all the way to the left so you swipe right all the way you can put sticky notes and I don't know if I'll remember to look at it but I'm going to put jumps for bumps slash humps and ketogenic Transition, and nature, maybe like rollerblading or something, I need to find somewhere to rollerblade around here, and also self-dialogue, and social enterprise. Because I think I'm going to start a peer social enterprise just starting with myself as the first peer and see what happens i'm feeling like i have to just do everything myself for now and see if anyone else is interested in participating in some way the standing thing could be good too because sitting is not good for the body at all so standing moving around i also just have a sense that maybe i want to get into health more and maybe promote health products or something there's so many things that I want to do and I'm not sure why I'm feeling a little bit blue in the morning my voice feels a little weak right now and I feel like it's hard to breathe when I'm talking I think the air here is a lot different a while ago I went to the blood lady and had an optimized wellness report done which was some kind of German technique, and it was pretty cool. So I'm gonna go over that and cross-reference it with the ketogenic diet. And I did a course by Hallelujah Acres a couple years ago to be a health minister, but I think that's kind of expired, or they might be inviting me to get more active with their products again in order to continue to be a health minister. So I might see what they have that I could utilize I might want to take some turmeric and other things just to support wellness so I'm gonna look into that stuff and some great news my car driver's side door now opens I pulled it apart kind of it wouldn't open so I couldn't pull it all apart sprayed WD-40 pried at the button lock thing because it's really old and then sprayed even in the gap of the door along the side and and then someone else helped me and got it open and I don't know if it was all the WD-40 that did it or this person turned the key lock and then pulled the inside handle at the same time and then it came open and I'm so happy and grateful because now I can continue to drive my car into the ground I'm wondering if it'll last until I can get something like an electric car of some kind that would be cool because I really enjoyed driving the Chevy Bolt down in California. But I would kind of like to get a Tesla. That is my dream. I wonder if I can make my dream come true somehow. I think it'd be really cool because there's so much traffic and they can be programmed to drive themselves on the highway. So if I'm stuck in highway traffic, I can just be sitting there working and not wasting that time. Though I could just be sitting there singing, which I can do too if the car is driving itself. So I'm wondering about that. That's gonna be my dream. Now that I've reached my dream of going to California and I've reached my dream of tapering off the meds, maybe now I can really get more serious about dreams beyond that. And it would be a dream to have a really eco-friendly car and a beautiful car. And I do really like technology. And I like it because I use it a lot to create these videos and I like cars, so I just kind of want a Tesla, that would be really cool. And I also want to create this social enterprise so that everything I do can be translated into some kind of social value. So even this process of maybe getting a bit healthier and moving towards a ketogenic diet Which is supposed to be really good for people with brain troubles because sugar is one of the worst things for the brain. And if we don't completely eliminate it, then it can cause troubles. And I don't have it completely eliminated right now, but it probably would be a good thing to do in the long run. And I have done it in the past and I felt really good. And my body was in really good shape and really slender. So, if anything, it might be able to offset the effects of the weight gain, and, and if one chooses to support themselves by using medication, if one can be on a ketogenic diet, then perhaps there's not really any ill effects in terms of all the body manifestations that can happen as side effects. I really don't know, and I'm not going to do that experiment, So I'm not going to go back on meds to do that. Though, I was on meds, and I was on ketogenic for like eight months, and... I was very slim and trim but I still did end up in the hospital and that's when that scary hospitalization happened and now I've tapered off the meds and I'm not going back there under my own volition that's for sure and once I start the social enterprise I do want to upgrade my phone and my computer because it's six years old I bought it when I was manic the first time and I dropped three thousand dollars at the max door in a day and then it turned out that it was very useful I use this computer all the time so that was kind of an intelligent thing to do in retrospect and that's something I asked myself what am I trying to create what am I trying to do why did I think I needed all this stuff well the sense I had of how I needed it has come true I am making these videos so there was something behind that for sure And I want to get the Apple Watch, the new one, if it has the heart rate feature, so I can monitor my vitals, especially when I start to reach out more into my surroundings. And then also feel safe. Having that device is like having a zap strap and a link to always being in contact with somebody if I need help. And I like that idea because it might have phoning capabilities even when the phone's not nearby so i won't even have to worry about my phone being nearby and also starting to share some of this conversation with myself i'll probably just put it out there on soundcloud which is linked to my itunes podcasty thing and also on my blog as unlisted videos so then people can still listen and that might be the first step. Blog is unlisted. So people just looking specifically for things related to bipolar or omnipolar or transconscious or map-consciousness will find it first and and find some people who relate to the conversation first before putting it out there more. And yeah, doing those movie screenings, there's a lot to do. I have a lot of work to do endless work and it's going to be a lot of fun so yeah how can I create with this what can I do so there's no real time for waking up feeling kind of like Ugh, in the morning because there's so much and I could be feeling a little because I haven't been talking to myself as much and an extrapolation from the Kelly Brogan blog post I was reading is that supposed mental illness could be a type of metanoia which is a profound shift of the heart so when there's a profound shift of the heart the mind naturally gets disturbed and it takes a while for those two factors to actually integrate and start communicating with each other properly again because our overemphasis on the mind and intellect and thoughts has blocked off what the heart is saying when there's a shift in the heart and we can all of a sudden hear what the heart is saying at the same time it doesn't feel like our ego voice it feels like some other voice and this is possibly a way that other voices seemingly other voices can manifest is that we've been identified with our ego voice which isn't even really our real voice we haven't been listening to all the sources of information from all around us that get translated into a sound impression in our mind in order to speak or in order to understand something. And I talked about with myself a long time ago how it's a heart disease. the heart is in disease, and then there's this profound shift in the heart, this metanoia event. And I think that's important. This transformation is initiated by a metanoia event. So this process this map consciousness and transconsciousness and omnipolar consciousness is initiated by a metanoic event but when we don't understand this when we don't move towards understanding this moment to moment and the understanding never ends that it will never end for for me and But then when we're not moving and understanding, when we're just moving and fearing this, it turns into paranoia. So paranoia is the mind not understanding and fearing and pushing this metanoic event away, or this metanoic process. And I still want to finish reading Kelly Brogan's blog post, and I didn't do that in order because I'm not about doing anything in order on these videos, it's just talking to myself in order to talk to myself and that's kind of it and it seems like just talking to myself in this way has something I don't even want to say in effect it's part of the whole process it's part of learning it's hyper learning it's a lot of those things that I've talked about along the way but I don't really remember because they are less something that arises as a concept for me to talk about and more just embodied as part of my life, as part of my own understanding. So I will finish reading that in my next video